0: Welcome to the Cultivating Success Podcast. Jeff Sofer and Jonathan Wolfson are brothers and business partners of the top landscaping company, Nature's Experts. Nature's Experts is home to six companies that cater to all your outdoor needs. To learn more about Jeff and Jonathan, simply visit us at www.naturesexperts.com. On the podcast, Jeff and Jonathan bring together other business owners and entrepreneurs to share with you how they developed a prosperous company and how you can too. You will gain insights and meaningful advice on creating the building blocks to success and longevity in the entrepreneurial realm. And now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sopher and Jonathan Wolfson.
1: Alan, thanks so much for joining us on the Cultivating Success podcast. Uh, happy to have you here today, and excited to hear what you have to say. Actually, you know, you work in an interesting department in Transworld Business Advisors where it has to do with commercial real estate. And I feel like, you know, we wanted to have you on the show today to kind of give your insight, knowledge, and also a resource to people so they know how to connect and use these tools properly to help grow and advance their business. So thank you for joining us.
0: It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. My thanks to you and Jeff for uh, uh, for having me on.
1: Of course. So I think let's start with Please let me know what exactly at Transworld, and let the listeners know, what exactly is your position at Transworld?
0: Sure. I'm the commercial director uh, for Transworld for the state of Florida. I'm a former practicing attorney. I transferred over to commercial about 25 years ago. I was the first uh, Florida guy into the Marcus and Millichap office and then was a managing director at uh, Coldwell Bank Commercial and then came to, uh, to Transworld. Because what we found is often... You know, a seller who owns a business and owns the real estate, many times the real estate has appreciated at a greater rate than the business. So we're able to maximize value by getting a greater value for the real estate as well as for the business.
1: Interesting. Would you say that most people, when they're selling their business, do they not think that they want to sell the real estate with the business, or how does that usually work out?
0: It's a great question, Jonathan, because some people think I'm better off keeping it, I'll keep it as an income stream. I'll, you know, I'll get the, uh, the rent on a monthly basis and I won't have to pay, uh, capital gains. Um, personally, I think it's always best to sell the two together. And we've had great success, uh, since I've been a trans world in, in doing that. It really is a personal preference and estate planning preference as well as to what you want to do. But I think the value of the real estate is always highest when you have a functioning business in it because let's say that business for whatever reason does not make or they need a larger location and they move on. Then you have to sell an empty building, which could be good to an owner user, but it could take you much more time. So I think it's always best to sell when you have a a good functioning business in the real estate.
1: So I'd like to talk about the other flip side of the coin of that. So, you know, me constantly thinking a bit about business and how things work. And, um, you know, when people exit, there's all these different strategies that you come up with. So, you know, selling your real estate with your business, you have to charge a fair market rent to yourself. So a lot of times business owners are charging less than fair market rent to themselves for a property that they currently own. And the thing is, is that if you're selling the property with the business, you less really have to establish what that fair market value is, because they're going to own the asset anyways, it's not a, it's their own asset obligation versus it just being a, um, you know, changing of cash flow at that time, it's obviously contributing to an asset. So do you think that most people, Alan, really understand that component when they're selling their business about, you know, what What standard rent would be for something and then how that impacts the purchase price of the business if they weren't getting the, the proper rent? Well,
0: that's one of the challenges we face on a daily basis at Transworld because many people who own the real estate and the business will either not be charging themselves rent or will be charging themselves a below market rent. So when we recast our financials of the business, we have to make an accommodation for uh, the difference between what they're paying themselves and some sort of market rent, some comparable market rent. But well, still,
1: accommodation, just so everyone knows, is a reduction in purchase price ultimately, because if you're charging yourself less rent than what would be standard rent rates for the location size. And density of your business, it ultimately means that it's going to reduce your cash flow. Reducing your cash flow is reducing your profits. Reducing your profits means that the number you take from your profits times whatever multiple you're trying to sell for would be less than. But but by multiple times. So it's not like oh, I was trying, I was charging myself one thousand dollars less a month. Well, that's twelve thousand dollars a year times however many multiples you're trying to get.
0: Exactly. Whether it's two or three or four times, but that's going to happen in every scenario, whether or not you're just selling uh, the business without the real estate, you still have to put in a market rent factor. What can happen also is, you know, lease assumption or assignment has become very difficult today for a number of reasons, which we can talk about if you like, but many, but many times what will happen is if you're in a below market rent and you're just a tenant the landlord may look to move the new business owner up to a market rent. So that's going to have an effect in value as well. The difference is, is that if you own the real estate and the business, you will recoup the amount that you're losing for the value of the, of the business in the sale of the real estate. Because if you've got a higher rent, you'll be able to get a higher purchase price for the real estate.
1: Yeah. Very, very interesting. Do you think that when people, so, if you would, let's touch on the point of you were saying that people usually when they're selling their business, which I know a lot of people listening are, you know, are entrepreneurs and they're looking to actually possibly purchase or purchase multiple businesses. But I'd like to talk about the fact of people when they are exiting, what do you think the reason is people when they're exiting, they don't do their due diligence? They're, they're smart enough to hire a business broker, but they're not obviously um, astute enough to understand what else they need to be doing. To maximize their dollars as they're exiting.
0: You know, it's a great point. I talk with sellers all the time about putting the real estate in the best possible position. That could be pressure washing. That could be repainting the exterior. That could be cleaning out some debris inside to make it look better. You want to do all of those things to make sure that the real estate looks better. You want to make sure that you keep, you know, tenants in place and all of those things. But for whatever reason, I think, basically the person who's built the business that in many cases not like you and Jeff where you've put together a portfolio of very excellent related businesses but sometimes they may only one own one business and that's their retirement that's their 401k that's you know their savings plan and they are so focused on the business that often they don't look at the big picture that's why they need someone like Transworld, like our our excellent agents at Transworld, to help them position the business for the best possible value.
1: So, Alan, when you're purchasing a business, you know, let's talk about the opposite. What if you have a business existing and you're trying to figure out, you know, how can I acquire another property to keep building up my business? Do people come to Transworld for that as well?
0: 100% because, you know, quite often, and as you're proving, you and Jeff are proving, uh, when you put together two businesses or three businesses, you've increased the buyer pool. You've increased, you know, the potential value and you put yourself in a, in a discussion of perhaps, you know, getting into the private equity group who would purchase the business who, you know, might pay more, uh, because they need to acquire and want to add to a portfolio it always also is a possibility that you may find someone in the same industry and you can sell to them but you're bringing a greater mass of business which will lead to a higher purchase price as well
1: very interesting yeah it's you know for for what jeff and i are trying to accomplish you know it started out by just wanting to grow the business and to continue to add multiple streams of revenue You know, it's really where it started with the flower shops and the interior plant maintenance and then subbing out the landscaping services and the tree services and then starting to acquire all of these different services. So we could figure out how can we really capitalize on all of these different opportunities? How can we create more streams of reoccurring revenue? And um, by doing so, you know, we've really developed an unbelievable team. And, you know, I think once you start getting a really great team underneath your belt, so to speak, you know, it kind of charges you a different way in the sense of how, how can I help these people grow? How can we help each other? How can we work together to ultimately make the best possible business that we can? And, you know, it's, To me, I feel very fortunate we're not in a business where we're selling a a widget. We are selling a service and quality because quality is very hard to define a lot of times, especially if you're selling a product. So to me, I think that, you know, selling a service, it constantly keeps you on your toes to keep striving and pushing for the best.
0: I mean, I think that's a a recipe for success because... You know, many people in Florida are very leery of contractors, vendors, people that they work with because they're not sure that there's going they're going to be there down the road and that they will take care of them down the road. But putting together all these products that are and services that are related, you know, creates kind of a one-stop shop. And eventually when you put all of these together, you know, you'll sell this probably to some private equity group down the road.
1: Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? You know, the sky's the is the limit right now. It's about the people. It's about building the best business possible that we can and elevating our team within, you know, to do the best that they can do and, you know, help them reach goals that they didn't think that were possible, particularly in this industry. Uh, and to me, it's very exciting that a lot of investment companies are getting involved in the industry because it's going to make what we're doing much more finite and just not available. You know, when things are not available, it's going to be much more in demand. So there probably will be a whole bunch of smaller companies that will be out there that will be doing great work as well. And there'll only be a handful of companies that are our size. And then there'll be the ones that are owned by investment companies that uh, constantly are fighting for the lowest price while we are capturing the market for people who are wanting the best quality.
0: But if you look at any trainer, um, any motivational speaker, any success manual, they will tell you, that the way to have a more successful business is to get the people involved so that they feel they have a stake, so that they feel they have a say in the business, so that they can take some ownership in their mind of what they're doing. And that seems to be what the environment that you're creating. And that's the environment that Andy has created here at Transworld.
1: You know, it's really amazing that Andy has really done what he has done, as far as I'm concerned, because I just never would have thought... That you know he would have started with one business and literally just by starting with his one business, um, get involved with someone to really make it what it is today with how many offices are there actually?
0: I think we have um, uh, two hundred offices nationally and internationally now.
1: It's, um, it's unbelievable
0: no. It's all in the in the culture, Jonathan. It's all starting a culture. Um, You know, we're in a very uh, business where people can be very aggressive, but, you know, there are uh, rules and lines and and everyone is made to feel that that what they do is important to the success of the business, you know, and the company. And that's a successful way, I believe, to run a business and to grow it, because then people have a uh, they have a personal feeling. It's not just a job. It's you know, it's it's something that's important to them.
1: You know, I think that. That's one of the things that I have uh, learned recently. Is that it's very important, obviously, to you know really keep your head down in the beginning, and you really have to grow the company to a certain size to get the opportunity, just period, to really even be able to start casting your net bigger to really encompass other people's dreams and aspirations as well. But that's really, I think, where it's worth it in the sense of. You know, it does take time, but it doesn't take forever, you know? And you have to make enough money to really be able to invest in other people and doing and trying things that you haven't previously tried to figure out, you know, what are my other options? What other things can we do to do better? And, you know, how can we do it? And the only way to do it is by just example, just trying, just literally just trying new things constantly.
0: And it's a process, you know, some things will work, some things won't work, you try the, you know, the next thing that will be more successful, and you keep building that way.
1: Exactly. You know, it's been a very uh, exciting process to just learn. And, uh, you know, if you're not, I am not personally driven by money specifically, as my primary reason for doing things, it's really just, you know, it's quality of life, it is, um really leading by example and it is striving really just to at a minimum just do your best every single day and to know that it actually can pay off and does pay off is really exciting in the sense of you're like wow I just I, you don't really realize what you're capable of until you really start trusting other people because then you can start really having that compound effect go into it as well
0: and the goal has to be success the money will flow if you're successful and you create that kind of environment, the money will flow. I think the mistake that a lot of people make is they, you know, they focus on the money on the dollars. And that really is not a long lasting proposition for success.
1: Well, I think, um, you know, that's really what happened with Jeff and myself is that he had a business that was successful and, um, he was willing to just invest into me, and through investing with me, we just kept investing and investing and investing and investing until um, you know we got to where we are right now. And you know we're really at the point where it's it's been worth it just because we were willing to risk it for so long.
0: It's great. But, it's got to be a tremendous uh, sense of accomplishment to have gone through that, and you know to be where you are now.
1: Well, it's one of those things where it's you've. Uh, it's, it's a great accomplishment when you take a second, but then you also think to yourself, I haven't come this far only to come this far.
0: Agreed. And you're still on the high wire act, so you have to still be careful. There is Absolutely. one thing we we touched on earlier that I would like to go back to if you don't mind. Please. And that's, I do believe that uh, ha- owning real estate with a business increases the value of the business as well. And I'll, I'll give you a perfect example because- if you own the real estate, you're not at the mercy of a landlord. You're not at the mercy of rent increases. You're not at the mercy of if you're paying taxes and insurance, let's say on a on a uh modified gross lease, you're not in the mercy, you know, of those increased expenses. You own the building and it you control your own destiny. And that's becoming exceptionally important today because lease assignment and lease assumption is becoming more difficult each day because many of the landlords who have tenants and with below market rents are looking for every reason that they can to bring those rents to today's market rent. And in addition, for instance, in industrial, which is our our hottest property type and has been for quite some time, used to be that annual increases were 3%. Today, Landlords are looking for annual increases of four to five percent each year. So, in whatever way they can, whether increasing the annual increases, whether increasing the rent, whether trying to you to get you know pay uh, taxes and insurance, which are two of our biggest problems today—not not necessarily taxes, but insurance—is going through the roof. Uh, because of everything that's occurred. And, you know, unfortunately, every day you turn on the news and there's another natural disaster and interest rates, higher cost of money. Those are really two problems that we face in commercial. So if you own your own business and you then sell your business with your real estate, you know, the, the new owner does not have to worry about what will happen at the end of the lease term. So I believe it adds additional value to the business.
1: Well, so let's dissect that a little bit. So I believe that really has to do with specifically uh, Alan and I work in South Florida. Specifically, he's in charge of the entire state, um, which we, of course, can get to. But, you know, we both live in South Florida and in South Florida specifically, the number of people that are continuing to come here is increasing by the day. And the amount of commercial and industrial property that they are allowing in comparison to that, isn't changing. So it's, I feel like the market in general, as far as real estate, if you're looking, if you own a business now to purchase the real estate with your business has literally no um, other way to go than up.
0: I would agree. We had 319,000 people relocate to the state of Florida in 2022, it's continuing in 2023. We have a shortage of raw land, so we're in a redevelopment phase. So what you're doing is, for instance, you're seeing a shopping center, let's say that's 30,000 square feet on two acres. You can buy that property and add additional square footage or knock down the 20,000 and possibly build 60,000. So I couldn't agree with you more. You may feel like you're paying up a little bit for for the real estate, but buy the real estate now, it will only appreciate as more people come and you know, there's less new development. And development has kind of stalled a little bit because of the higher uh, interest rates, higher cost of goods, and of course, the higher insurance. So,
1: uh, Which really allows for an opportunity zone right now <clears throat> to where instead of it being aggressively going up and to the right, the prices are still high, but it ultimately means that it's not as competitive. To purchase some of those pieces of real estate. But the trend is the same. Regardless with COVID, regardless with anything, over the last, you know, 20 plus years or 40 years, South Florida, Florida has been growing at an exponential rate and is gonna continue to, especially as it's starting to target a lot of people in the tech industry and other industries to really come down here as well also too. All of these people are going to need the resources, the infrastructure, um, and especially as values of properties are going to go up, it's going to be more important, especially in the service industry for people to want to take care of their homes because they're going to actually value them more. As the home that's valued at less, you treat it like what it is. A home that's valued at more, you're going to treat it like what it actually is versus what you paid for it
0: possibly. I think you've seen the benefit of that, you know, through COVID and after COVID with people now putting more money into their homes because they realize, you know, they have a a valuable asset. They want to have it appreciate. They also want to enjoy it while they're they're there. And many people feel, yeah, I could sell my property for more money, but where am I going? So I'm better off increasing the value of the asset that I currently have.
1: That's right. You know, it's a very, it's an exciting time in the market because I think that there is some clarity um, at this point. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty looming around just the whole world. But, you know, a lot of times you have to kind of put blinders onto that and look specifically at your market, what you're looking to do, what you're looking to accomplish, and the bigger things that would have to actually happen for it to not go a certain direction. You know, I can't think of one one reason why a real estate commercial in South Florida would ever go backwards.
0: I don't think it will at all. As a matter ever. of fact,
1: ever, I don't, I, ever, I, and yeah. and listen, if you had an investment that could give you some tax depreciation items, but you you had zero chance of losing money, zero. It's a good investment because you have the up you have all of the upside to gain and there's no downside. A lot of times you know you're managing risk and through managing risk you want to make the best decision that you can. So as a business owner, if you' if your option of risk is close to zero because of the amount of people that are coming to this area, it is really something that is important that you start targeting where you could purchase where it could help your business, move your business if necessary. Because if you are going to sell, if you do want to create that residual income in the future, and you're not concerned, and you want to keep the property also too, as an income generating resource, it's something again, it's, there's more people coming here, all the trends are going towards Real estate commercial is going to be continuing to increase in value because they're not allocating any more of it, or it's so unbelievably complicated for them to do so that it makes it almost cost prohibitive to the regular person because they're going to do, if they do do something in like Palm Beach County, it's going to be a very large swatch of land. And then it's going to have to be surrounded by something else that's gonna be zoned correctly. And it's gonna be part of an enormous, enormous redevelopment project that um, is gonna be geared towards one group of people, but it's not gonna be geared towards the regular small business owner. It's gonna be geared towards big warehousing, big manufacturing um, and things where it really, you need a lot of square footage. They're not looking to try to make a whole bunch of 2000 square foot bays. You know, that's not. They're not really going to be making any more of those.
0: There's a tremendous demand in every size. There's a tremendous demand, and the market really has shifted into into two sectors. You know, anything that's large, anything that's very well located, is still getting high premiums, and the you know the other sector is still doing well. And I've noticed recently that there's more activity. Um, two thousand and and. 23 has been an interesting year in commercial real estate. So there was a little bit of a period that was um, quiet. But now I've noticed that people are back. So what that tells me is that they perceive that there will be opportunities. They perceive it's a good time. They don't want to miss out. And I think that, you know, long term commercial real estate in South Florida is going to be very strong even throughout the state of Florida because we live in a in a terrific state. We're very blessed. No state income tax great values, um, terrific weather, you know occasional hurricane you know nothing is perfect but other than that we're you know we're we're good and I think that people will continue to come here as they have problems in the Northeast California you see everything that's happening in other areas of the country it's unfortunate, but it's bringing people to South Florida
1: yep so Alan, let's touch on the last one which I would like to talk about, which is negotiating right now. so with higher interest rates, but a limited resource that's only available, how do you really recommend people to start negotiating for properties like this right now?
0: Well, some people have a, a style that they believe they should start with a low ball offer. I don't think that that's the best way to do it. I think you start with a reasonable offer and you leave yourself a little bit of room in which to in which to increase your offer. You also have to make a decision asset by asset, how much that asset is in demand if that asset is in demand you're going to have a shorter window in which to negotiate or someone else is going to come and and outbid you which is not always the worst thing either i always advise never fall in love with the real estate never overpay for the real estate but you want to make sure that you know you've done your your due diligence you want to make sure that you know what the you know what the rents are in the area if you're purchasing for instance a piece of property you need to check the assessment the tax assessment where it is in the county, because let's say the property is assessed at a million and you're buying it now for three million, you have to be prepared for a tax increase, which is going to affect your value may not happen immediately. Sometimes it could take a year, a year and a half till the county catches it. But you have to be prepared for that. You also have to be prepared to see what your insurance costs are. So doing your homework, doing your due diligence, making sure, you know, you know what you're facing. And don't put in low ball offers because many times what it does is it just it turns the seller off. It discredits you with uh, professionals that you're working with, brokers, attorneys. And it's not really the way to go. But I've noticed recently that there are more lowball offers that are coming, which basically tells me that they believe that there's an opportunity uh, that will be coming. And people think, you know, there'll be these tremendous steals. There will not. There are too many people bidding against real estate. You will get value, you will get good opportunities, but don't over negotiate the deal because what happens many times is a seller, as much as I, you know, I advise them not to, you know, to bid too low, they will bid too low, they'll lose the property, and then they'll come back to me and they'll say, you know, why did you let me lose that property? And I have to remind them, do you remember we talked about, you know, putting in a reasonable offer, having some logic behind what the offer is instead of just throwing a number against the wall. So be careful, be strategic.
1: Is there something to um, the point of, as a business owner, should you look at what rents go for in that area and then reverse engineer and say you know I'd be willing to pay up to what the mortgage would be is that a, is that a strategy in which you ever recommend people to look at or no
0: i think it depends on the seller for some sellers that's a little too complicated they want something more uh, simple for you know, uh, institutional owners or professional investors, as I call them, people who you know only invest in real estate for a living, that's a possibility to do because they understand it as well and they will do it the same way. You know, I'll I'll tell you a, a story. I had a, a client that I dealt with for for years, and whatever I would show him, he would offer. If it was five million, he'd offer three million. He'd offer two million. He'd offer one million. He'd offer lower prices. So one day, what I did is I took his property. And changed the name of the property and sent it to him as a new opportunity. And he told me he wanted five million. When he saw his own numbers, he said, "I would only pay three million for this." So, you really—true <laughs> story—you um, really have to be careful. But you have to know, you know, with whom you're dealing with. You know, is it, you know, an estate? Is it an attorney? Is it, you know, a, a what we refer to as a local buyer, a mom and pop? or local seller mom and pop, is it institutional? And I would cater my offer based on that. The other thing that I would advise to do is to come in with a proof of funds and show the ability to close. Have uh, you know a pre-approval letter from a, from a lender to show that you're ready to go. All of those things make a difference. It's not just price, it's also terms. If you're gonna offer a little bit less, be prepared to close all cash with a short due diligence. Those are things that will get sellers' attention and that's the best way really to you know to to purchase if you're going to offer something a little bit lower.
1: Yeah, we um we purchased a piece of property recently where um unbelievable location, plenty of parking, which parking is always complicated here in South Florida for what we wanted to do. The property was located far to the left with a large parking lot to the right. It was really exactly what we were looking for. Um, So us when we went through the due diligence, we made the mistake the owner had just done a mopping of the roof. So when we went through it, you don't uh, ultimately what happens when you do a hot mopping of the roof, or you do some sort of uh, coating onto the roof, is it gives you the illusion that it's actually doing what it's supposed to be doing. And um, literally six months after owning the property, we had to redo half of the roof on the property because it was leaking and um, it didn't really come up on inspection just because the roof looked clean and you couldn't see the problems that they had just it was literally just covered and they did it right before they sold the property. So that is something I'd like to share as, as something to warn people about to really do a very, very thorough roof inspection. And when you notice something being done recently, don't take it for face value that it was actually done correctly.
0: You have to do your due diligence. You know, it's not only financial due diligence when buying a building, it's physical, structural due diligence. What's the the condition of the property? What's the condition of the mechanicals, the AC, the, the plumbing, all of those things, because you don't want to have a big surprise You know, when you close and something like that happens, I'm sorry that, you know, that happened to you. That's unfortunate. It's too bad they didn't pick it up in the inspection.
1: No, you know, it's it's one of those things when this, I would say, is a complication of being an owner user is that when you find something that fits what you're looking for, which is very difficult, um, you're almost willing to overpay for it. Just because you're like, you know, there isn't a lot of options down here. But then at the end of the day, you really have to analyze and at least, you know, it's not about overpaying. It's about understanding what your risk threshold is. It's not about, oh, no, you overpaid. Oh, no, the roof this. You have to understand there has to be contingencies to what you're doing and how you're thinking and and what you think is going to actually happen at a property. And that's really something that I learned particularly from it Um, wasn't to uh, you know, spend more time on due diligence, which I think we could have, and to have better inspections, which listen, I think you always can do better, but it was really more to understand the contingencies that you need to put in place to allow yourself a cushion of understanding, I really want this property, but if this and this happens, I know it's still a good property.
0: But a, a value of a property is different to, to depending upon who will purchase it for an investor. The value is one thing for an owner user. The value is greater because it goes back to what we talked about previously about it increasing the value of your business when you go to sell, when you have real estate and a business. So it's unfortunate that you had to put in a new roof, but meanwhile, or fix the, you know, fix the, the roof. But meanwhile, you know, moving forward, it will increase the value of your asset. And I'm sure you'll sell it for, for more whenever that time comes down the road.
1: Of course, there's there's always the opposite end of the coin where you can kind of think to yourself, all right, well, we did have to do this, but, you know, roofs do have a certain lifespan. If you do sell in, if we sold the property in 10 years, it's only one third worn out. It's still very enticing to people because 20 years of of roof expectancy is humongous. And especially in South Florida, you really can get a little bit longer, I found, Um, as long as you're doing, you know, maintenance where you're not letting cracks and actual water get into the roof. So if you're savvy in the sense of understanding how to maintain something, uh, it really can be a little bit less, less concerning than, than you might think.
0: I'm sure that that investment will work out great for you down the road.
1: So Alan, thank you very much for joining us today. Is there anything else you want to add to our listeners um, before we (laughs) sign off here?
0: No, it was my pleasure. If I can ever help you or Jeff or anyone listening, you know, please, uh, it's uh, Alan Kay at Transworld. We'll be glad to help uh, uh, in any way that I can.
1: Well, Alan, thank you very much for joining us today. We appreciate you joining us on Cultivating Success Podcast, and I am certain I will be talking to you soon.
0: Thanks, Jonathan. Take care. Thank you. This has been the Cultivating Success Podcast with Jeff Sofer and Jonathan Wolfson. To learn more about Jeff and Jonathan and their businesses, visit www.naturesexperts.com.